0: The Spot Track Podcast, talking sports contracts, the salary cap, and business of sports.
1: Today's edition of the Spot Track Podcast is presented by The Athletic. Visit theathletic.com slash SpotTrack S-P-O-T-R-A-C. Hit the register button, sign up now, get 40% off, download the app, personalize it. It's exclusive ad-free content at your fingertips. That's theathletic.com slash spot track. My name is Mike Chinetti. Happy May 5th, May 4th, whenever you're listening to this. NFL draft is closed off. UDFA season is here. We're headed towards many camps. Um, we're kind of slow playing this UDFA process on spot Uh In years past, we've kind of tried to keep up with the rat race and, you know, reports and who's signed and who hasn't signed and who's changed teams and what the bonuses are. And it, it's, it's crazy as you might've <laughs> ascertained on Twitter and then some, so, we're kind of slow playing this, waiting for official um, reports from the teams themselves because a lot of these signings are not official signings. They're training camp invites and things like that. So uh, we're slowing, slow, slowing it down a little bit. And look, it's only a couple of thousand dollars here and there in terms of impact on the caps, anyway. So we're kind of making sure we get this one right before we actually drop these names into SpotTrack. And therefore, you may see some gaps right now in that regard. Speaking of holding out. <laughs> right? (laughs) Things are getting interesting in some situations. I think Arizona, as we're going to talk about later, and San Francisco is heating up a little bit as well. The plan at the back end of the show, Cousin Dan joins me for a a good long conversation, breaking down the first half of the NFL post-draft, post-free agency to some degree, where things may be this summer and where we're, we're heading for 2022. So that's Arizona through, I believe, Jacksonville is where we get to today. Deep dives into notable draft picks, some holes in the roster, what what things are shaping up to look like for 2022, contractually speaking, and then we'll bring back the second half of the league in the next show with Cousin Dan. But uh, it's a big NFL show at the back end of this. There's a deep dives into those kind of things. I am going to stay NFL here for the start. Uh, the DeAndre Hopkins situation is important because as you're going to hear with us talk about with Arizona, they're... They certainly have their drama this off season. And this is just another layer and level to that. And I think we now understand the Hollywood Brown situation a whole lot better. There's no question about that. But I just wanted to kind of go through the semantics of what, of what DeAndre Hopkins is, is going to lose financially because we throw these numbers around, you know, he's going to lose $5.2 million. And it, I, even if I put the math there, some people kind of gloss over it and, and I just want to make sure we're all on the same page. So there are three elements to a PED suspension in the NFL. One is the base salary. One is the signing bonus. And then any other bonus is questionable, right? So an option bonus is secure from a suspension. Won't be touched. So yes, he had an option bonus. He won't be paying that back. The roster bonus is suspect to being to forfeited money in a suspension. Now, And this actually caught me a couple days ago. I had to go back and and fix this. The Cardinals restructured DeAndre Hopkins uh, roster bonus for 2022. It's 10.65 million. They converted it into a signing bonus. That is applicable here. So if I go through the math here, it's a six-week suspension. It's a six-game suspension for PEDs. There's 18 weeks in the NFL season now with the new added game. So it's as simple as taking the base salary divided by 18 times six. That's what he's forfeited in terms of his, his weekly pay. You do the same thing with the signing bonus uh, in terms of the proration. So there's $5.5 a of prorated bonus living in 2022. And that's the original signing bonus. You divide that by 18 times six. That's what he's forfeiting. He's got to pay back that signing bonus money from his original $27.5 million signing bonus. You do the same thing with that restructured roster bonus, which is considered a signing bonus as well. So it's that 3.55 million divided by 18 times six. That's where we get the 10.6 or excuse me, the 5.23 million of forfeited money for six games missed this year. It's a good chunk of change. It's more than we usually see with these suspensions. So there's a lot to this. Uh, obviously that's a player off the field. They're going to need it's. A, it's going to be a tough start for Arizona. Hollywood Brown is not DeAndre Hopkins. They're adding some UDFAs in this regard, I think, to kind of backlog this. But it's a tough, it's a tough situation. And, uh, and look, I'll, I'll kind of fast-forward this to Deshaun Watson, assuming he's going to get suspended as well, and you'll see the difference here. So Deshaun Watson, I guess let's just say it's also a six-game suspension. I think that's what many of the reports are saying it could be. The difference between this, and it's, it's somewhat questionable, a PED or a drug suspension, which is what Hopkins was popped for. It is baked into the CBA. You will be paying back signing bonus for this. No questions asked. It's not a team option. It's not a league option. It is. You're going to be paying back the proration amount of your signing bonus. With some other suspensions, teams can kind of fight for that. Teams can try to recoup a portion of signing bonus if a player misses games due to suspension. The Watson stuff is, is... is tough because obviously it's it's a horrible offense that he has been accused of and is now being adjudicated for, and the league is going to have to do their due diligence here. I, my belief from the language we heard is that not only is he not paying signing bonus back, but he's not losing his guaranteed salary either. And if I go back to Hopkins, that $6.5 million salary for 2022 was fully guaranteed last year. That guarantee is gone. That's also a slam dunk with almost all CBA driven NFL contracts. You have a drug suspension, you're, you're paying back signing bonus and you're losing any current and future guaranteed salary on your contract. Not the money Right. But the, the actual guaranteed portion of it. So the language built into Watson's new contract, and this is really what riled people up is, all right, you'll forfeit six weeks worth of pay, which is a little over a million dollars in total, right? So a million, 103.5 over 18 weeks. If it's a six-week suspension, you're talking $345,000 lost. Versus Hopkins, six weeks for PEDs, 5.23 million. So this is what really pissing people off, let's be frank about it, when Watson's contract information was brought out. Doesn't sound like he's paying back any signing bonus. Doesn't sound like he's losing any future guarantees, which is all five years, right? The 230 million. And it sounds like the only thing he'll lose is the 345 or so on six weeks of a $1 million salary. So it varies. It varies. And Watson's not the only person to do this. Tom Brady restructured before his deflate gate suspension. There was plenty, there's plenty of instances of teams kind of taking care of their player, knowing that something's coming. Arizona didn't do that, by the way. Okay? They didn't do that. And uh, it leads me to believe that even if this thing was happening in November, they may not have been aware of it. Because as you'll hear me talk with Dan in a couple of minutes here, I believe they're in a bit of panic mode with their quarterback drama, with this drama, with some major free agent losses. So they didn't take care of Hopkins in this regard. Let's put it that way, as Cleveland certainly did with Watson for his prospective suspension if and when that's this year. So that's how things kind of break down. It's a, it's a per week situation divided by 18. Option bonuses are secure. So whenever you see, you know, Philadelphia does this all the time. Buffalo has been doing this with their bigger contracts. Not only does it spread out the cap a lot, right? The double bonus, a signing bonus in the first year and an option bonus in the second year. Not only is it good for cap, not good for dead cap, but good for active cap. But it, it, there's some protections to it. The player has protections with option bonuses for whatever reason doesn't really make sense to me that one should vary from the other in terms of legalities, but it does. And uh, that's why we get the number we get we get with DeAndre Hopkins, 5.23 million forfeited for six weeks, barring an appeal, but I believe he has rescinded his appeal. So that is going to be set in stone from week one to week six. A couple other things, the grady Jared contract extension. It's good. It's a strong extension. I'll do a YouTube video on this not to, uh, in a couple of minutes here, but you know, nothing to write home about. It kind of aligns with the the, the quick rebuild process that Atlanta's trying to push forward if they hit lightning in the bottle of the quarterback. Basically it's two years for thirty-four million. So if he had one year, sixteen and a half million left, he's basically a little a little more than doubled that for a two-year deal. And then after that, it's Atlanta's it's Atlanta's choice. It's kind of cap and cash friendly from from there out, but it's a uh you know, it's not a long-term deal as it shouldn't be with this kind of position, a, a, an almost 30 defensive tackle. Good player, great player. It's a vote of confidence for that team. There's no question about it. And then the A.J. Brown contract, I do have details on that as well. You know, Tory Dandy has done some short-term, quick, quick get-in, get-out guaranteed contracts with Chris Godwin and Mike Williams. This one's a little bit more traditional. And look, this is how the Eagles do business. I don't think the agent had too much say in how this could be structured, to be honest with you. Howie Roseman is very, very particular in how he does his management, which is, I need as much cap control as humanly possible every single year because I'm going to push up right against it. I'm going to be creative and, and kind of chaotic with my cap. And uh, it looks like AJ Brown certainly played ball here in terms of his structure. $24 in and change in this, in this first year. So he certainly got a pay raise because it was only going to be about three point nine a couple of weeks ago. So, major, major impact in year one. And that's kind of the trade off, right? We'll pay you a boatload of cash right up front with that big signing bonus. And then you'll get another boatload of cash in year two with that, with an option bonus. And then we're going to play, uh, we're going to play loose, fast and loose here with the cap from here out. So, if, if you look at how the first three cap hits in AJ Brown's deal go, it's 5.6, 8.5, and then 27.6. You can understand what's happening here. All right. They're looking for some bang, bang out of buck value across the next two years. And then they're going to move some things around in 2024. Probably when Jalen hurts, if he's the guy needs a huge contract and they'll go from there. So very Eagles-esque type contract. Good coin. Three years, 57.2 million at least, probably four for 73 after they do a restructure in 2024 and uh, lock in some future dead cap situations. So Pretty good stuff. Early guarantees, uh, 2024 stuff locks in in 2023. There's some 2024 salary guaranteed right now. So, uh, pretty strong stuff from AJ Brown. Not only the uh, the trade compensation, not only getting out of a Tennessee situation that appears to be nosediving in front of her eyes, or at least uh, standing standing pat. But the Eagles are a young, fun team, and AJ Brown makes them better. There's no question about it. His contract is locked in for three, maybe four years. All right. Time to talk uh, in-depth team deep dives for the first half of the league with Cousin Dan. But first, I want to give a shout out to partner and a friend, a friend of the show, Dynasty owner. It is time, folks. NFL fantasy football is here. I'm getting my Yahoo and my ESPN emails that things are opening back up and it's time to start doing your research. Well, if you're a Dynasty player and uh, you live in that that world or you're you're interested in living in that world, you this is a 12-month situation, right? You are... You're doing as much work on your roster as I'm doing on the real NFL rosters for Spot Track, which is pretty much every day there's a transaction that affects not only maybe your team, but the league as a whole. And that's how this works with Dynasty Hunter. It's that thorough, it's that complicated. And I think that that's exactly why they built it. This is not for the amateur fantasy player. It's real salaries, it's real transactions. You have to make real kind of daily, weekly decisions on your roster. You can go head to head, you can go weekly. They got obviously different ways to, to uh, play the actual game itself. There's a great app that goes along with this. So you're not farting around on the internet too much. They include the bench as part of your, your weekly scoring process. So it's not just start your lineup and walk away. You have to actually think about level two, level three of your roster on a weekly basis. You can win cash prizes. There's always to set up uh, your league in terms of uh, a private or a public situation it's just a really well thought out thought out app it's not your run-of-the-mill fantasy football app and if you're thinking dynasty it's even gone three four levels above probably any kind of dynasty situation you've played so uh, obviously the the salary cap and the nfl salary situation drew our attention originally and now having talked to these guys quite a bit and having played the game ourselves it's just worth your time if you're looking for a step up if you're looking for more options with your dynasty fantasy football league this is this is the place to go DynastyOwner.com. get you started hop in get yourself a trial situation build out visit dynastyowner.com right now all right joined my cousin dan dan it's an nfl primer i don't know it's may 4th i don't know where we're headed here but look there's a lot of changes on these rosters we've had a decent free agency you know kind of a financially status quo And uh, many of these teams have upgraded and now we've passed the draft. So it's a good time to assess these rosters, at least from kind of a surface, a surface point and a financial aspect as we approach the off season and, you know, some roster cuts some I think some more trades, maybe some notable trades. So I just want to run down all 32 here with some, some bullet points, some thoughts. Obviously, some of these teams have some major storylines heading into May and June here. And just kind of bounce off from your perspective, because I know you're kind of living in the in, in the odds world a little bit more than I do, maybe from a more surface view, maybe more of a fan perspective. And, you know, I, I like to step away from the numbers a little bit and just kind of assess what the hell each team is. Not so much on paper, but, you know, are the Arizona Cardinals, for instance, off the top here, Dan, are they trying to win the Super Bowl this year, in your opinion?
0: <clears throat> um, I think they... I think let's just say I think internally they are they feel they're better suited than the public does. Okay, um, okay. But yeah, I think they I mean they're pretty aggressive and they seem to make a lot of moves, but I don't really like the the general, you know, outlook of the the team itself. Yeah, the,
1: <laughs> the word I have here associated with them is panic. Um and this isn't new, by the way. I I feel like this this organization always enter some sort of panic mode and make some sort of knee jerk decision, almost as if they feel like their jobs are always on the line. And I guess for Kingsbury, despite his extension, it, it may be, uh, cause you know, if this goes wrong in 2022, either Kyler Murray or K- Cliff Kingsbury is going, do you agree with that point?
0: Um, e- sort of, yes. Um, I- I'll say, I think it starts with the GM a little bit too. Yeah. So I, I think if, you know, if Kingsbury is going to go, I think the GM goes as well. And and that would probably leave Murray to stay. But yeah, I, I do agree in some context there that, you know, some of that group will not be here um, next year if they don't win.
1: Yeah. It, it is an all in year, at least for that. They've got to take another step forward in my opinion. And that's got to start with Murray who has, has shown for at least, you know, 75% of these seasons, he can be the guy, but uh, I think we're headed towards a summer where, He's going to want the big money and they're not ready to do it. And and look, the Hopkins stuff, losing Chandler Jones, having to acquire Hollywood for a first round pick, which is crazy in context, you know, all of that now leads to, I I think an even more amped up 2022 season, right? I mean, if they were kind of thinking they could be fringe contenders a month ago, doesn't it feel like now they have forced their hands to the point of where they better be in, in serious contention, at least in the NFC.
0: Yeah, that, that feels right. Yep.
1: Okay. Falcons different situation and that's why I like to do this team by team because you know you look at these draft grades Dan and you're just looking down and looking for A's and F's and B's but not every team is built the same way certainly not in the same contention window and Atlanta's not in a contention window but I think you and I both agree the past two seasons they have not been as bad as advertised in fact I think to finish both each of the last two seasons they've been downright good if not you know, knocking out some very, very good teams late in the year. So just you you kind of lay this one out. Where are you with the Atlanta Falcons now after the the Matt Ryan era? Uh, I believe after the Calvin Ridley era, it's, it's a somewhat disheveled roster, but the, the work that I did to kind of dive into it, I don't hate this team so much, Dan, do you?
0: No, I, I think there, you can kind of put rebuilding teams into two to buckets, if you will. And one of those is like making tangible progress towards the future years. And there's other teams that I'm sure we'll get to down the line here that are rebuilding, but you don't really like any of the moves that they make. And, and it kind of creates a, more questions than answers, if you will. So, um, yeah, I do agree with you. I mean, I don't think either of us are trying to say that the, the Falcons are going to be really, really good or win this year, but I think they are at least, taking the steps, you know, tangible steps in the right direction to to improve and um they had a good draft. They've done a lot in terms of the salary cap. Um I will let you get into that more, but in terms of next year, it looks like they they're primed to to make a run at things, right?
1: Yeah, these are the, these are the dead cap champions right now by far. Obviously because of Matt Ryan. Um uh, but it's over 62 million of dead cap right now, which is kind of insane uh, on a 200 million dollar salary cap total. So it is a purge year and a lot of teams, Dan, just go right to the bottom when this happens. We've seen a lot of franchises that say, look, when we've got to when we've got to rip the band-aid off with some of our big contracts, we go right to the bottom. To your point, the the ads that they made, either through the draft or through agency, have a lot of logic to them. And look, they could be in the same kind of tailspin that Arizona's in with the with the Ridley slash Hopkins situation. They they didn't panic one bit. Now they lived last year without him, uh, you know, half a year without him, so they kind of knew this was coming, I think. But I think they made calculated moves. Obviously, the Drake-London move is going to replace Ridley at some point in time here, whether it's this year or next year. They just gave Grady-Jarrett an extension, which should be a sign to all of us that they do not hate themselves. <laughs> you know, To your point, that they think that they are maybe one purge season away from getting right back on this train track. And I think I agree with that. And a lot of that re- relies on the Mariota-Desmond Ritter situation. But I, I have a feeling you like that as much as I do right now.
0: Yeah, I I mean, I don't think Mariota turns into like a top no. fifteen or ten quarterback, but I mean he reunites with Arthur Smith there. I think, you know, with the history, he he probably is a competent, you know, manager of that offense, right? And there are weapons as, you know, you've yeah. laid out. So I, I yeah, I tend to think that they're a team that could kind of take a step in the right direction and surprise people. Dan, is there
1: is there an outside Tannehill vibe to Mariota right now?
0: Yeah, that's fair. I mean, you know, he could, he could come closer to, to his ceiling than we've seen in the past. That's for sure. But yeah. um, he's just a guy we've kind of forgotten about, but um, does have talent, good guy in the locker room. Yeah. It, it, you, perfect you don't have
1: comp to, for a too. Literally a perfect. Yeah,
0: comp. absolutely. So you put those two together and build your offense around that. I think that's at least, um, you know, like we just said, that's a, that's an actual direction rather than just being in purgatory. Yeah,
1: and Grady Jarrett's money is the uh, the nail in that coffin. They're going in the right direction, no question. Baltimore, you tell me, because I could have gone two ways in, in writing this little piece for them, Which one of which is, I have no idea what this team is, or and the other is, they may be stuck in a quarterback controversy internally, but are saying, screw it, we're just going to build a phenomenal team around it, no matter what. It is, where are you in that camp?
0: I... <laughs> It's really hard for me to say that the Ravens have drastically improved at this point but that's that mostly revolves around uh, our assumption that the offense is going to kind of return mm-hmm. as the same it has as it's been in the past which is good but relies on Lamar to run maybe a little bit too much and it, it's just that sexy overall right so um in terms of competing with the other power powerful offenses in the AFC I don't really know if they like got better but also, at the same time, they did have a good draft. Um, yeah, and and they're just a good organization that that kind of squeezes talent out of places you might not think. So I, I just have trouble getting really excited about this team when the offense is going to look very similar to what it did last year, and I and I just don't know if that can get them, you know, get them far in the. In All right, Atlanta.
1: I'll push back on that just a little bit because I know exactly where your head is with that, but. But as you know, that, that, this team took a ridiculous uh, injury bug into training camp. I mean, the running backs started falling left and right. They lost Marcus Peters to a gruesome injury. He'll be back in that secondary. And look, those are the two position spots that I have noted here, Dan. The run game and the secondary. Both on paper are loaded. Absolutely loaded. And they added, again, this year to both of those position groups. Which, which leads me to believe that it's exactly how they want to run their team. Their D-line and their O-line I think are in really good shape. Maybe not so much the D line, but the O line is one of the best in the league and it has been for a while. And it got better this year with two acquisitions. So I, I think they're built properly to be one of the better teams in the AFC, but you're right. A lot of it comes to Ken Lamar return to some sort of Superman form or, and this is my pushback, or if that run game is healthy, is that surely where they want to work their offense through? Take it off Lamar's legs, put it onto three to four really strong, versatile running backs, let them carry the offense, and then we have to get to the wide receiver position. Where are you there? Are they just going to punt on it again and just run through Mark Andrews, hope Bateman takes a step forward? Or do you think that one of these notable free agents, a Landry, a Will Fuller, maybe a T.Y. Hilton, are longed for Baltimore here?
0: Um, actually, I think both could be true. Bateman is probably primed. uh, I shouldn't say that. I think there's a little bit of upside there. I think internally they feel that he could turn into a legit wide receiver one. Mm -hmm. Um, and I, I think they're always in the veteran, uh, wide receiver market. And there's a number of names out there, um, that, that would be nice ad. So I, I don't think their receiving core is going to stay as is going into the season.
1: All right. That's fair. I think I agree with that. I, I believe they'll assess their roster and, and realize that's the weakness. It's, it's basically a tie. I'm using Fanduel here for some, uh, some season odds. It's basically a tie between Cleveland, Baltimore and Cincinnati for the division. Do you agree with that?
0: I, I do. Yeah. I think it's a toss up.
1: Okay. Yeah. We'll get to those other teams in a second here. Buffalo, uh, perennial, or I mean, everybody has them everywhere at the top, everywhere you look. And you see a lot of memes with this is the offense that's going to be you know right up there with major stat production, major fantasy production. I'm not sure I want to give them that kind of crown yet now that I've done this deep dive with pretty much every single roster. I I like a lot of things that happened here. Certainly the James Cook draft uh, maybe threw some people off, but locally here, Dan in Buffalo, the, the running back conversation really picked up steam the last two weeks or so. And this is not a two down between the tackles running back that they drafted here in James cook. This is a slot receiver slash third down running back. So I have a feeling you're pretty much good on paper with that pick. Where do, where do the bills lack right now? Because everything's positive in Buffalo, but where do you think there's a deficiency on this roster?
0: I don't even want to say there's a deficiency because they are pretty much loaded at every spot. I mean, uh, they might want to, uh, you know, an, a third piece in the secondary, mm-hmm. um, you know, another corner, be, you know, with Trey white off of an injury, they did add Elam in the first round, but um, I could see them at it bringing in another veteran cornerback just to kind of nail that down. Um, beyond that, they're, they're pretty good everywhere. I, I really think, um, you know, especially the first three, three rounds going cornerback running back wide receiver um, that really plugged a lot of mm-hmm. the holes um, that, people seemingly thought that they had. So I, I don't really want to poke at this roster at all.
1: <laughs> okay. Yeah. They grabbed an edge rusher in there too, as well with a guy they think is going to be a monster out of Baylor. So I, they're deep. I, I, I guess the only question mark I'll leave with here and let's have a conversation about it is where do you stand with the Jordan Porter situation? Uh, they've kind of staggered their defensive contracts, rightfully so. I think what Brandon Bean done has been really intelligent in that regard. But Poyer's kind of pushing the envelope down here and saying, you got to get me done here. It's, it's time to uh, at least lock me in for the next two years so I know where I'm going to be and I know where I stand with this roster. He's holding out from all the offseason stuff right now. Does that continue as we get closer to the big time stuff?
0: Well, oh, that's a really good question. In that because they're in. not
1: deep enough at safety to be able to handle that, was my point, Dan.
0: Right. I mean, is the general consensus that safety is somewhat replaceable, though, or am mm-hmm. I off with of that?
1: Um, it's a good question. I mean, Tyron Matthew did wait till May fourth to sign a contract, right? I mean,
0: <laughs> right. And I don't want to suggest Jordan Poyer in this defense is is replaceable, but um, I think as this roster kind of ages a little bit here and things start to, you know, prices start to increase, I, I'm not sure if that's a guy they want to really commit a whole bunch of money to long term, mm-hmm. but um. It's not because he's a bad player. I just, in terms of roster construction, I really don't know how they, how they play that out, Mike.
1: Yeah, it is a looming question. And I think there's some question on in the inside of that defense as well at the off-ball linebacker position. They haven't extended Tremaine Edmonds. He's on his fifth-year option. It looks like he's going to stay that way. So a couple of defensive question marks, maybe a, a not deep enough offensive line, which we've seen come back to bite some teams in contention late in the year. But all in all, this is one of the most loaded rosters that I assessed today for this piece. So it's uh well, I'm not trying to crap on it. One one iota.
0: <laughs> well, and to that no, if their if their weakness is the offensive line, let's let's say that's their biggest weakness. The James Cook pick was was brilliant for that. I mean, go. we talked we talked all last year about how they they really needed like a dynamic running back instead of just Devin Singletary <clears throat> and Zach Moss. And um
1: Right, and I and, haphazardly it, threw out McCaffrey who, you know, but instead of going $8 million a year for a washed-up, injured running back, they went, you know, young on a rookie contract in the third round, right?
0: Right, exactly. So
1: <laughs> there you go. Speaking of Carolina, the number 10 cash payroll in football, Dan, they don't have a quarterback that they like. They have tried every avenue to get a different quarterback. It didn't work outside of drafting Matt Corral, which I don't know. That, that, is it going to be Matt Corral's team? Let's put, it, let's put that question out to you.
0: So I, I personally think the Baker thing gets done at some point. You do. Um, I, I don't think they're going into the season. That, that ownership, that team, they seemingly are always looking to upgrade. I, Wait, so
1: help me understand this then, because Baker and Darnold have the exact same contract situation. One year, $18.8 million fully guaranteed. So is this what's going to happen, Dan? Are, are the two teams just going to respectively eat half of those contracts and then swap player for player?
0: Uh, maybe maybe that's an interesting point I I don't know the answer to that and I could be way off on the Baker thing but I mean how many landing spots are there for Baker if there was mutual interest there (laughs) before the draft is there you know did Matt Corral change anything and do they really think
1: no it didn't move for me
0: are they gonna run it back with Sam Darnold after they saw what a disaster that was for most of last year I, I that's that's what keeps me coming back to if if Baker wants out and they can make it work financially, then I think that's a, that's a match there. But <clears throat> it,
1: It's really ugly in Carolina right now, in, in my opinion. This is, the, this is the one team that I don't think anybody has a real pulse on. And the more I think about it, and, and I, I, I've heard your sentiment said quite a bit across the media, right? That let's just get Baker. Baker's an upgrade. Just do it. I, I actually think the right play is just to sit on your hands the whole year. And, and just kind of let this thing ride out. You do have some dead cap to take on and purge. They do have some, a quality roster in some spots, but not enough to where, you know, I would say the exact same thing about Seattle, by the way. This is the exact same conversation. So you put this, these two teams together, and I think they should have the exact same 2022. But Carolina's spending right now. That's the problem. That's why I started with number 10 cash payroll. I don't even know how we got there. How did Carolina get number 10 in cash payroll this year, despite having question marks all over the place? Like almost every position has a, well, this or this situation. I, it's it's a little baffling. It, it leads to reckless, illogical spending from the owner. And I think we've all seen that coming for the past two seasons. I, I don't know the right answer for with this. And it's kind of one of my jobs to figure out what team should be doing long term, short term. I think that the short term for the long term is just let this ride out. Don't don't give up anything for, for Baker Mayfield. You've already got a Baker Mayfield and Sam Darnold. I, I think, I don't know that one is is better than the other or worse than the other, and the contracts are exactly the same. So just stick with it and, and ride it out and get yourself to a better situation next year. And, and maybe Matt Corral plays the last six weeks and, and you see what you have there. But I, I think there are so many questions that, especially at May, right? Because it's, there's, you're losing time to fix it that it's just not even worth going through the motions and giving up more draft capital to do anything respective right now.
0: I, I agree with that, that they should sit on their hands, but. I know it's, it's an aggressive like you, owner. Like you, I know. Right. Like in the way you said, they're spending, they're just not acting like a team that just wants to punt. On, extended on Robbie
1: team. Anderson, extended DJ Mo- for who? Like, what are right. you doing this for? Right. The amount of draft capital they could have got back for those players really would have helped this team, especially in this draft where it wasn't a quarterback-driven draft. I, I think they played this all wrong. I think they thought they better themselves, than they certainly are. Maybe they proved me wrong, and McCaffrey stays healthy, and they run a, you know, an old-school, successful offense, but I just don't see it right now. I think they're, they're stuck in the mud, and they're going to try to dig themselves out, and they should just stay in that mud and cool off. That's what they should do. Uh, speaking of which, the Chicago Bears where are you here? Are you a Justin Fields guy? And if you are, should they have pushed this year or do you kind of agree with what they've done, which is we got to break it all down right now. Brand new regime. I know we got the quarterback, but we're just not ready. What do you think?
0: Oh man. So when we were talking about Atlanta and making mm-hmm. progress earlier, I mean, Carolina and Chicago were the two teams on the opposite end of that, where I just don't know where they're going. Quite honestly, the, the Bears had perhaps the worst draft. Um, yes. I do I do like Justin <laughs> Fields quite a bit, but it seems like that, or, I mean, there's a regime change there and does that organization like him after they put essentially nothing around him in free agency well, on the draft? Well, let me right? push
1: back even more on that because as I was doing this dive, it, I was reminded of the fact that one of the reasons that they probably didn't have the right kind of draft is because they traded up for Justin Fields because they punted on this first round pick Yes, they gave themselves a decent amount of later picks, but trading up for the quarterback when you don't have a roster that's comprised of enough pieces to handle that quarterback, it's just a nightmare situation. They did it with Trubisky and they did it again with Fields. So I feel like getting Fields even made it worse to now have Fields.
0: Yeah, no, I I agree with that. I'm, I guess I'm just saying that I like the player, but the way they're executing this is just, yeah, there's no there's no game plan. It seems like
1: no, they they let all their notable free agents walk. Um, They didn't bolster the offensive line, which is really what the headline for the Chicago Bears should be right now. How many times do other teams that that are trying to go from Z to A and, and get from Z to Z to E, but don't have the offensive line to get to the top? How, how many times do you have to see that year after year after year before teams realize this is where we have to start with our building process? But that's not where the Bears are. They, they barely addressed it this offseason. So good luck, Justin Fields, because it's going to be another ugly year. I, I hope I'm wrong, because I do like the kid. I think he's real dynamic, real versatile. He's, he's kind of what the NFL is looking for right now. But I think he is in a suicide mission in Chicago, unfortunately. Since, I agree. Yeah, Cincinnati. Speaking of which, right? They, they had their guy. They, they, they did right by going all the way down to get this guy in Burrow. Let me start here. Because Vegas, a lot of the a lot of the projections out there that I'm reading, even though it's just May, this is not a very popular team right now. Cincinnati, is that is that correct? Should we be looking at last year as a bit of a fluky situation?
0: Mm, I don't I don't think fluky is is the right word. Um, there there is a little bit of maybe they 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 played above their heads, but the I mean, listen, the offense is really good. They have multiple pieces there. Um, and got better (laughs) right the weapons are all
1: there and they got an offensive line so I don't understand the problem
0: no exactly so as long as you can score in this league I don't really care who you're playing you're gonna you're gonna be there and I have no reason to think that um I I mean like when we discussed earlier those three teams are all kind of together in the Vegas lines um I I I still think Cincinnati is the favorite to come out of there and I don't see how they will make the playoffs that that's a good enough roster to get in in that division I think
1: I completely agree. And, and the fact that they're not higher in the AFC in terms of the odds and things like that, the fact that Kansas City is way up there, the team that Cincinnati beat to get to the Super Bowl, and Kansas City took a step back, we'll talk about it. I just think they're, they're, they're undervalued. There's no question they're undervalued. If you give a 12-year-old the breakdown of last year's Bengals and then what they've done this year in the offseason, it's like A plus B plus C equals D. That's what they did. They, they needed an offensive line. They got three guys. They retained their defensive line, which overachieved last year and should be, you know at least be above average this year again. They needed legitimate secondary help. They need to replace Eli Apple and retain Jesse Bates and maybe add another safety. Their, their draft picks were safety, cornerback, <laughs> offensive line. What, what do you want? I mean, this they did everything that any kind of, of armchair GM would ask them to do. So uh, uh, to me, they're undervalued. They should be the leaders in this division right now heading in. And I think that we are all kind of bamboozled by the smoke and mirrors that was Deshaun Watson going to Cleveland. I, I really believe that. And let's get to Cleveland because they're next. I, I don't even know what, what to make of this. We've already talked Baker who wants out, but they don't have to move him because it's either trade them, don't trade them or release them. And to me, releasing him is just ridiculous. Well, You're going to punt on 19 million cash for a quarterback who could at least help you. You you know as long as he wants to be around the organization at some point in time, where are you with this? Because Jacoby Brissett's making like seven million guaranteed this year. Watson's probably going to be suspended, so somebody's going to have to play quarterback. Can you start with the quarterback position here and then kind of get through this this Browns team, Dan? Because I've uh, I've got questions. Let's put it that way.
0: Yeah, I heard I heard you on one of your recent podcasts say that you don't think that the Browns should get rid of him now and that they should slow play it and wait for uh, you know, potential veteran release or injury or something like that. And I, I totally agree with that. I don't think Baker will be there that long, but I do think Cleveland is ready to to move on and he's ready to move on, obviously. So, um, yeah, in terms but, but your point with <clears throat> the, um, the Watson suspension, you know, where does that leave them in terms of, you know, a team that is seemingly ready to, to make a playoff run, um, and if you're only going to go into the season mm-hmm. with, with Jacoby Brissett, if you do get rid of Baker. So um, it's a really good question, Mike. I do agree with you, though, that they should slow play it. There's no reason to just release him. I mean, he, he, should, he has a place in the league, right? I mean, he's, he may not be a starter. Uh, I guess that's what stuff.
1: confuses me is that it seems like he doesn't. It seems like every, the browser have to eat $15 million of that salary. What are we talking about here? This guy played injured last year, and maybe in the injury bug is not going away. But it, this guy's not a bag of bones. I mean he he's a pretty pretty good quarterback. Makes okay decisions, not great decisions, but you know I, I realize it's been four years, and, and maybe he hasn't progressed at a number one overall pick potential. But he's got to be somebody's quarterback. Got to be, in my opinion, I, unless the 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 game is simply we've either got a legitimate top flight guy or we're going all the way down to the bottom with this position. And I don't think that's how it is because Carson Wentz has a job still. Kirk Cousins has a job still. You're right. Derek Carr's in the middle of the pack. He's got a great job and a new contract. Baker Mayfield, Locke. Can, Locke. Yeah, Baker Mayfield can live in the middle somewhere and probably should. Uh, but to me, this is personality stuff. It has to be personality stuff and, and, and nothing else. Um, but if I, was, if I was a team that needed a quarterback and had a roster that I was stuck in, Like Carolina, like we talked about, I'd be all over this guy. I'd be all over it. And the fact that Cleveland wouldn't retain enough salary during the draft to acquire him, uh, I think that's playing hardball with a situation that you should be controlling better. But uh, look, it's not just the quarterback spot, right? They lost OBJ, they lost Landry. They're banking on Njoku for some reason. I, I know he did take a small step forward last year. The offensive line is okay, but it isn't what they paid for. Let's put it that way. They need an edge rusher. They probably need a safety. Other than that, they're in pretty good pretty good shape. But it's not like this is um the Bills. You know what I mean? It's not like we're we're nitpicking to find areas of needs. They have three legitimate needs right now heading into the middle of May and you know, they're going to have trouble filling those needs unless, unless they pay or unless they can find a spot for Baker that brings back somebody. I just don't think this team is ready to go right now. Let's put it that way. So the fact that they're at the top of the odds in terms of fan duel, linked with the Bengals, and even the Baltimore Ravens to some degree, I think this team is still behind the eight ball a little bit.
0: Yeah, that's fair. Totally fair.
1: Yeah. Right. You tell me what the Dallas Cowboys are, because I, I almost headlined the Dallas Cowboys the new New York Yankees. <laughs> Whereas they're America's team, but they're playing like the Oakland Athletics in terms of their finances. That wrong doesn't it feel like they just shed salary this year just to do it
0: yeah to some degree I mean how much of that has to do with the the Zeke contract right yep so from that perspective yikes I mean if you're if you're tearing down your roster because of a a running back overpay I mean that who's that on not you know that's that's on mm-hmm. your roster construction so um I don't know what they're doing I mean I think the offense is still going to be solid but uh, i mean i think the cooper the the cooper removal is a little bit more than people will
1: i agree you
0: know, I, I don't think um they yeah. just replace him with with their internal options you know
1: and james washington <laughs>
0: who, yeah, right. who had every
1: opportunity in pittsburgh to break out and didn't and that's where wide receivers break out so i i'm not i'm not good on that situation just yet. Um. The offensive line's a disaster because of retirements and injuries and, and whatnot. Tyron Smith is back, we think, but for how long, we have no idea. They're going to start a rookie left guard. They're going to start a, pa- a patchwork uh, right tackle. They're going to start a patchwork center. It's There's a lot of reasons to be down on this roster right now. They're kind of patching together a, a defensive line to some degree. Dante Fowler Jr. on a near-minimum contract to go opposite side of Demarcus Lawrence, who they overpaid for. I, I just have a lot of reasons not to like what I'm seeing here. Not to mention we don't even know if Tra- 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 Travon Diggs is that good. You know what I mean? Like there's a lot of analytics out there that say he is a, a kind of a one trick pony and can't be a two shutdown corner. He's kind of getting thrown at because he's just kind of a ball handler versus an actual shutdown corner. So I, I look all over the step chart and I, and I see holes and I see uh, areas that they should have overpaid for in free agency and maybe gone up in the draft a couple of bit, a, a little bit. And Jerry Jones has basically said, we, we let things fall into our lap this year. And I think that's exactly how it's going to look at the end of the year.
0: I agree, I agree,
1: the Broncos, Dan are they this year's Bengals, or are they still a year away? How does Russell Wilson impact this roster? It can it be that immediate? it can it be the Rams?
0: I think so. why not i mean the the rhetoric around this is either. They're going to be, su- they're going to be the best team in the league because they got Wilson or Wilson sucks and is <laughs> washed, and they're yeah. not, you know, there's like almost no in between. And, um, you know, I, why can't there be an in-between where he just manages a good offense with offensive, plenty of offensive weapons mm-hmm. and a good defense. Um, and, and why can't they just be a good, you know, upper third, top third team in the league? I, I, I don't, I don't know why everyone thinks they're either going to be incredible or terrible.
1: Would you, would you bet them to win the division?
0: Uh, no, I still think the Chiefs are better. Actually, I think the Chiefs and the Chargers are still better. Well, that's but... how
1: FanDuel has it right there. Denver's third. So, And by the way, the Raiders are 7-1 are to one right now for that division, and they certainly got better. We'll talk about them in a second. It, it, it's a crazy division when you look at it in context of all four teams. And Russell and this team is, are probably vying for a wild card come mid-December, right? I mean, that's that's where they're going to be living. So I, I agree that it, there's probably going to be a point in time where we're all screaming about how bad this Denver team looks. And it may not be Denver. It may just be this division's a killer and the AFC is a killer and they're just going to have to live with slightly above average. Is that kind of where your head is?
0: Yeah, for sure. I, I do think the Russ move was the, how do I say this? The quickest way to get close to where they're trying to sure. go, right? I mean... You you may never unseat Pat Mahomes. I mean, he may be the Brady of that division. You know, the AFC East version of Brady for the next you know ten years, where you you just you you every year it's going to go through Kansas City, right? So nothing else they would have done. No other quarterback they could have added would have gotten them close to Mm. where they need to go. In my opinion, I think that was the best move they could have done. Now does it does it get them to where?
1: That's a really nice way to look at it that they they came into this knowing they're playing for second and they have, and they had to be better to play for second. I I like that a lot.
0: Yeah, I guess that's all I I have to say. I think the offense is really good. I think the defense is solid, but in that division there, it's going to be a, it's going to be grind for sure.
1: Okay. The lions are getting a lot of love right now. And I mean, the Aiden Hutchinson pick was a no brainer. Fine. Uh, Whether that has impact or not is fine. I mean, I think anything can be better than Trey Flowers. Let's just put it that way. They're a top 20 cash payroll. Their free agent signings were minimal, and they're kind of like one year showcases, DJ Shark on one for 10, Deshaun Elliott one for 10. A couple of guys who are just going to plug some holes. Their offensive line is good. So that rant I had before with Chicago about how this is, you know, the the boring right way to do this is to start developing your offensive line by a free agency in the draft and then drop in a big free agent spend or a huge draft class and see if you can catch lightning in a bottle and make it all work. Detroit has laid that foundation. I mean, there are five players, at least the five starters, and maybe a couple of swing guys are there on this roster and ready to go. And, you know, the coach may not be <laughs> prepared for this, but and Jared Goff may not be prepared for this, but are you, are you ready to say that the Lions can at least be a problem in this division?
0: Yeah, can I? I I kind of love the Lions and what they've done recently. Is that yeah, is go that off? Mad? Please
1: I, do it. Take it.
0: I, like this is per. It feels gross. I'll just I'll just preface. No, it that. no. But what they've done, I mean, this is so. This is kind of the blueprint that we see from teams that take a major step forward. I think they're a year ahead. Uh, they're a year away from that, if you will. Like, j- just flat out, the offense is pretty loaded. Um. Can I jump I, in I, on
1: something? Oh yeah, are, are they not? Are they not where the Rams were four or five years ago?
0: I think that's a really good way to put it. A great comparison because are they saying, okay, we
1: have Jared Goff. He has done this before. How did he do? It? How did the Rams get Jared Goff to do it? I feel like they're doing that. They they are on that path,
0: right? And all the pieces are around him. So he could outperform what we've seen in recent years in that offense. And if he doesn't, and if that team is bad, all the other pieces are there. And that's when you drop in a a big quarterback in next year's draft, or if there's a free agent quarterback that you can go grab to insert in there. Um, I love what they've done. I think they've set the offense up to be good. Like I said, drop a quarterback in next year, add some defensive talent around that over the next few drafts. Um, you know, I, I know there's a limited shelf life on TJ Hawkinson, DeAndre Swift. They're going to need contracts at some point. Um, but Replaceable like, positions. Yeah. And, and like, it's a way too early call, but I, I kind of love this team as like the fate to win the division next year. You know?
1: I love it. I absolutely, I, mean, but, I absolutely love it, Dan. I really do. Because I think if you're worried about a running back and a tight end, <laughs> right? Uh, right? things are going well. I got to ask, though. Was was the Jameson Williams, Williams tray up too much? Was that too aggressive? Should that have been next year's move?
0: It could have, but I think so many people think that he can truly be an alpha wide receiver. Yeah, the Justin
1: Jefferson, right?
0: Yeah, totally. So, and in that division, I mean, just to like kind of step back a little bit, that division long-term is set up very poorly. I mean, the Packers are seemingly have a short shelf life. The Vikings, what in the hell are they doing? <laughs> and, you know, in the Bears, we already talked about how we neither of us like their direction. So I think to Detroit, like they're not. They smell that it, man. They smell it. I know. I, I'm I'm on board. That's one of my, that's one of my favorite teams of the offseason, Quite honestly.
1: So let me put, let me preface it this way. Or let's let me finish it this way. Goff is basically on a one year deal for 26 million, which is less than Carson Wentz. By the way, I want to keep saying that out loud so everybody knows how bad the Carson Wentz situation is. <laughs> they can get out of it for basically nothing next year. And if they want him, he's 25 and change next year. He's less next year with basically no dead cap. So let's say he takes a step forward or they start, they start to materialize some things, but they're not ready to pay him again. They got three years left in this contract. I mean, it's basically three for 75 in front of them and they've got all the control with it. So it's, it, Jared Goff may not be the guy like the alpha elite quarterback in this league. And, and that's why the Rams moved on because they found a, a better option. And, and good for them. But I don't think Jared Goff's going to the trash can either, is my point. He may. He, this may be his final year ever. But they have options and control over him. And it's not a grossly overcosting contract either. So at no point in time over the next year or two or three years, is that deal going to crush them and stop them from building around them? So to me, all the signs are there that they can really put, pull this thing out. And uh, they need some a lot of help defensively, in my opinion, because the offense, you're right, is really starting to form into place. Green Bay Are they better than we are giving them credit for? The, the the bullet point that I have, Dan, is that we've been so caught up in the drama and the negatives that we have at, at least avoided or ignored or just forgot to look at how good this team may be. Is that Is that fine?
0: That that's a fair assessment, yeah. I huge favorites I mean, in
1: this division, as you just laid out. Huge
0: favorites. Right. Right. Terrible division. Um as should a walk
1: into the postseason is what i'm saying
0: right and i mean rodgers is probably the closest thing to tom brady that we've had here in terms of like a guy that can make the most out of seemingly no weapons right so i i do think the adams loss is obviously huge yeah. and and that may be felt cuz he was definitely the the out um in when things got sticky there but oh man i don't i don't really know like they did nothing at wide receiver um which has been obviously talked about a ton, but uh, like we also said earlier, there's going to be decent free agents that they can drop in here at some point. So I don't know. I think they're going to be fine. Are they going to look real great? No, but they did make some additions at holes that they had. Um, Yeah. It's just like, not, not.
1: Are you going to yell at me if I say, I think they're done at wide receiver.
0: Do you really? Yeah, (laughs) I
1: do. I I think, Alan Lazard and Randall Cobb and this new kid, Christian Watson from the, you know, the number 34 overall pick. I, I think that's the, I think that's the, that's the deal. And they're hoping Robert Tanya comes back into form because there was a clear uh, chemistry situation between him and Rogers and the, the Dylan Aaron Jones thing cannot be underserved. It's a real problem, especially in that division. So I, I like their, their offensive tackles. I, you know, I love their defensive line. Their secondary is as good as any out there and it's going to be one of the highest paid soon. I, I, I think if wide receiver is their problem, that's a good problem to have because as you said, there are going to be options even late into the summer and even during the season, you know, we're going to talk Houston next. I can't believe Brandon cooks is still in that freaking roster at some point in time. He's not going to be, and maybe it's October, right? <laughs> So those kind of guys are going to be sitting out there come the trade deadline. Even I just think this team knows it's not going to have to push the gas pedal down too hard in September and October, just to kind of walk through through this division. Minnesota notwithstanding, and uh, and they'll they'll kind of fix things as they go, as they kind of always have with Aaron Rodgers' career. So I'm not I'm just not yeah. worried. I'm not worried about them. I think they're sneaky, sneaky great, and will be an NFC contention just like always at the end of the day, despite all this drama they just went through. <laughs>
0: Houston, go ahead, man. uh, I was just going to say, I have no problem admitting I'm probably getting caught up in the the national talking points a little bit. But the more you lay that out there, I do, I do, you know, like I already said, Rodgers will utilize those weapons as needed. So you have a good run game there, probably the best tandem in the league. Um, Yeah, you kind of talked me into liking them. Are you just letting Julio
1: Jones get healthy all summer too and then just dropping him in week one or something like that? You know what I mean? There's options. Maybe There's plenty of options for stuff like that.
0: So, I guess I'm just thinking when he when Rogers has to throw the ball 50 times, is it really going to Alan Lazard 12 of those? You know.
1: <laughs> well, then that's an interesting point. They are going to have to spread. So hopefully the new offensive quarter knows what he's doing because it's not going to be just target you know Devante 11, 15 times a game anymore. They're going to have to move that ball around, and I think that benefits the running backs. So
0: yeah, for sure. I, I know
1: that's a big part of your fantasy <laughs> game plan yeah, going Aaron, forward.
0: Aaron Rodgers, <laughs> it's going to run through him, right?
1: Yeah, there you go. Big time. I'm
0: sorry. Aaron Jones. Aaron Jones. I'm sorry.
1: Jones's health and Dylan's uh, step forward for sure. All right. The Texans are a revolving door. They have been for a bunch of years. They continue to sign 11, 12, one year contracts, throw these guys out there, and then maybe one or two of them stick for another year. I, I don't know. How long can this happen? Is that just the plan for, for 2022? They're still purging bad contracts. They're, I mean, they signed Cooks, which to me is crazy for both sides. I don't know why either the, the only reason Houston would want this is to be able to properly see what Davis mills is. Is that, is that where you are? Or do you think this is just whatever the guy wanted to stay? He didn't take a ton of money.
0: No, that's a great point. Mike. I, I think they do want to kick the tires one more year on Davis mills. They're, they're really, you know, their roster, like you just laid out is not set up to drop a, a you know, a, a proven quarterback into that situation to try and, to try and go somewhere. Is this a baker um, spot? Um, interesting. I haven't really considered that. I, I because I, I, most of what I've heard is that they do like David Davis bills and he showed them enough last year that they do want to run it back and see what he sure. has. But, um, I don't know. That's interesting. Baker.
1: Yeah. He's got the, yeah, I, I could see it. Maybe not. Yeah. Well, I, who are they? I mean, that's the point of what we're doing here. Who are the Houston Texans in 2022?
0: <sighs> I don't know, man. I, I,
1: They're the worst rated team, according to FanDuel,
0: by a lot, by a lot. And I think it is, it is easy. This is, it's easy to say that I I think that the roster is bad. The team is bad. They're in purgatory, but I think this is a year that they will figure out the direction they're trying to go, if you will, like they, they,
1: but what are they even, they're not purging anymore. They're really not. I mean, yeah, they got 50 million, a dead cap. I mean, so they have moved on for some things. A lot of that is year two of a, of a post June 1st kind of situation, but yeah, I don't know. Did any of these draft picks do it for you? I mean, they went heavy on the defensive side of the ball.
0: No, I mean, I wasn't thrilled with anything.
1: (laughs) I I thought they needed to be a lot more boring this year and, and kind of take the, uh, the Detroit Lions approach of let's just kind of go away for a couple of years and, and really fill out this offensive line and really get ourselves ready. And if Davis Mills is a the guy, then maybe we'll push early. But they don't even know what he is yet. They think he might be a possibly something, maybe kind of sorta. And I, I, I just I'd like to see them do less, if anything, at this point in time. But that's that's asking a lot out of out of an NFL franchise. I get it. Dan, let's finish with Indy and we'll come back and do a second half, part two of this. Um you tell me. Indianapolis to me feels and smells like green Bay. Is that a bad assessment? No, no. Are we undervaluing
0: I, them? Yeah. I think, <laughs> I think there's still some Carson Wentz stink there. You exactly. Know, like,
1: exactly. There was drama early.
0: Yeah. And I mean, it, it's very possible. Matt Ryan is washed, but I, you know, he's going to another dome. He's in a, a good rushing offense um, with offensive, uh, with, uh, passing options, mm-hmm. um, already there. So yeah, I, I actually like that team quite a bit.
1: I'm really in, and now that there's some turmoil in Tennessee and maybe it's not real turmoil, maybe it will all work out over the next couple of months. Uh, to me, this is a walk into the post-season team, Indianapolis. And I realized that they should have been last year and that Carson Wentz was literally the reason that they didn't. But, um, to me, this is just a quietly do our thing. We'll kind of go half speed for a few months, and then we're going to walk into the postseason and try to do some damage there. I, I really am comfortable with this team right now. Even if Matt Ryan isn't, you know, five years ago, Matt Ryan, I just don't think he has to be. And I think Indy knows it. We'll take 75% of Matt Ryan with 150% of Jonathan Taylor right now. And, and we know exactly how to handle this thing. So they'd, they'd have my AFC South bet, and they certainly have... a. Uh, a comfort bet from my, from my perspective. And I think you feel the same, right?
0: Yeah. yeah. And didn't Jim Ursay literally say in his post game, when he trashed Carson Wentz was like something along the lines of all he had to do That's was right. not screw it up. And he screwed it up. And that, and Matt Ryan is not that guy. It's He's just not
1: a brain problem.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So it's I, not an
1: arm problem.
0: No. Uh, so I, I agree with you on this. I think the roster, I think it's good. I like Frank Wright as a coach in terms of, Um, you know, maxing out talent on that roster. So yeah, and it's a cakewalk division, as you already pointed out. All
1: right. That's a really good start to this 32 team deep dive into the NFL offseason slash draft kind of postpartum discussion. Uh, We'll come back. We'll do Jacksonville through Washington in part two of this situation. And uh, we'll talk some baseball soon too, because oh, those Mets, Dan. (laughs) (laughs) Good stuff, man. Thank you.
0: All right. Sounds good. Thanks.
1: All right, my thanks to Cousin Dan. Always a pleasure. We'll be back uh, with the next show for part two of that NFL deep dive. My thanks to The Athletic. Visit theathletic.com slash spot track. Get yourself 40% off that first year subscription. Download the app, personalize it. It's ad-free every day, all day. Visit dynastyowner.com. Get your fantasy football started early because rosters are filling out and changing and you have to keep up with it. Dynasty Owner is complicated and fun and difficult and everything it should be as a real NFL GM, an art chair GM, you can do it all. It's got all the real transactions. It's got all the real salaries. You have to step in and build out a full roster, including your bench. Your bench counts in Dynasty Honor. Really cool stuff, dynastyhonor.com. For Scott Allen, my name is Mike Gennetti. Thanks for listening to this edition of the Trade Podcast.